Well, good morning, second service, the people who appreciate a late breakfast at least one day in the, in the week. It's good to see you all uh, here back after the summer holidays. And uh, um, certainly you, your home, I'm sure, will be reflecting my home if you've got little children, uh, because we're all preparing for getting back to school. Uh, Abigail's going to big school, so it's all very a lot of nerves, but it's also a lot of excitement. Uh, and Daniel's got the one more year to go before he goes in. And so with all that preparation, and we're getting back into another sequence, another routine. Uh, again, we've got our evening services coming up. And as I was on holiday and I was reflecting about the life of the church and, and where we've been on a little bit of a journey, where in, in January we went to, to the two services and we launched the Creed Vision, Celebrate, Reach, Establish, Equip and Deploy. And then as we've looked at these last six months and all the different things that have taken place and uh, we've got the we did a four-week series on celebrate four-week series on reach a four-week series just finished on establish uh, um, and then after to this week next week we're going to be starting a series uh, on um, uh, equip and then finally deploy before we go into our advent so this year really is about being in, embedding that vision of, that God has gave us. So we sense that but as a leadership, that God was do, wanting to do something fresh and something new. We started that at the beginning of the year. How many people know that God doesn't necessarily work in calendar years? He works in times and he works in seasons. But sometimes in the, in the processes of our life, it's good to reflect back. Where have we come from? Where are we going? And where we're heading towards uh, as a church, and, and we've, as Sarah and I and the leadership team have been so excited about all the different aspects of where we've come uh, as, as a church. SHL that was just mentioned, second half of life. I was talking to Norman this week. He said the last meeting we had 25 people that were ministering to at that particular age. We've got our LDY, our Leadership De uh, Development Year, uh, our interns starting this week. On Tuesday, our interns are starting brand new initiative, and I'm sure they're going to be um, uh, giving us some support and help in the life of the church. We've got our online academy Moodle that's uh, online, not much content in it, but thank you for the people who are designing and developing content. We have a team right now which is going to be our discipleship portal uh, moving forward. We've had our welcome meals. Uh, last welcome meal was oversubscribed and as you know over the last couple of months every week we've had people coming up here saying I want to make this home this spiritual house my home my spiritual family I want to commit to member membership and we've we've been having people I've had people come to me saying Ian I just love what God's doing here I want to just give one day a week I want to give two days a week. We've got people doing that. And in all of that, in all of the new initiatives and changes that we've, I've, I've reflected on over the last six months, we've had people who are just serving and have been serving for years in this house. They've been doing the teas. They've been doing the coffees. They've been working, uh, stewarding at the doors. They've been working for many, many years in youth. And I've had people coming up to me saying, Ian, we love this house. We love what God's doing. We love what he has done. But but we want you to know that we're right behind what you're doing here, what God's bringing forth in terms of the change and the vision. I've so appreciated that, as both Sarah and I, as we reflect back over the last 
six months. How many people know that if you're going to, if you're going to grow, you have to change? If you're going to grow, you're going to have to change. It's a fundamental principle of life. And not everybody likes change. Not everyone said they, they like the, what, what they're used to. They like the comfort areas. They, well, we're used to this. We're not used to that. Not everyone will appreciate the changes. And we understand that. I understand that. They don't like the emphasis. They don't like the style. They don't like different aspects of change. And I understand that. And some people will, will trust God and adapt and their hearts are changed and they move forward with what God wants to do in us and through us. And other people will sense God and say, I, I really feel that God's moving me on. And in the process of change, people come and people go. In your individual lives, you have people coming into your life and you have people going out of your life. It's a principle of life. And you have some people you have to embrace and say hello to and other people you have to say goodbye to at different aspects of your life. But in all that we do, in all that we do in our lives, we trust God. I trust God with my life. I trust God with my family. I trust God with my finances. I trust God with my career. I trust God with my church and what God's doing in my church. And this is the context that we find ourselves with Peter here. And when I was on the Isle of Wight for my holiday break and I was sitting on Ventnor Beach, lovely sun rays crashing down, and I was reflecting and praying about the church and where we find ourselves here right now. And this is the text that God started speaking to me out of. So I really believe I have a word in season, both for you as individuals, the principles will apply to you, just pouring out of this text. If you've got it on your devices and you've got it even on on your, your, your paper copy of your Bible, just follow it along because the principles just fall out of the text as we go through. But this is, this is a key moment in Peter's life. And so I'm speaking at a key moment in the soul and life of this church as God is bringing about change and breathing different expressions into what God wants to do. I truly believe that God is setting this church up for growth and multiplication. I believe that. I, I, I want to see and I see a day when we'll be growing out of our capacity here and planting other congregations and other churches around this area and the Spirit of God will breathe on that and give us influence in our time and in our generation. But I notice as you go come to this text, this is a time where Peter encounters Jesus. This is the time of calling and, and it's, the text starts off, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. It just says, one day. There is always one day in our lives. There's always one day in the kingdom of God when things change and you get a greater insight and revelation of who Jesus is and how he connects with you. And a part of our growth, we do have these rhythms of life, we get up in the morning, we have our shower, we have our breakfast, we get to work Monday to Friday, it goes weeks, go into months, goes into years, and you get into these rhythms of grace, and you find Christ in the rhythms and seasons of our life. But there's also these punctillary moments, like Moses in the burning bush encounters God. And this is a moment for Peter in his life, because if you reflect back a chapter earlier, than chapter 5 in the, in the Gospel of Luke, you notice this, that it says that Jesus was teaching and doing miracles in the house of Simon Peter. 
That's what you see, that he was doing miracles and, and, the, and, the influ- and the suggestion of the text is that Peter was observing it. He was watching it. He saw Jesus doing miracles in his home. And then we find this point in time where, where he is there, he's been out all night, and I want you to place yourself in the shoes of Peter this morning. He's been there and he's been out all night and he's been working hard all night and he gets nothing. This is a trained, experienced fisherman. He's out there with his team and he's worked all night and there's no evidence, no progress, no results, nothing to show for his labor. And sometimes we get those moments in our lives, don't we? where we just think, what is the point of even carrying on? And he comes back early hours of the morning because fishing took place at night in the Middle East, certainly in in Israel. And so he comes back onto the beach and he starts to close down his working night. He starts to clean the nets, fold them back, and that's it. It's just been one of those days. And it's in sometimes the moments of unproductivity It's in the moments of despair. It's in the moments where we think, what's going on in my life? When Jesus decides, I'm going to step in now. And the text says this. The text says that there was two boats. The Bible doesn't mention these kind of things ad hoc. There's clear clear understanding in the text that Jesus has a choice between two boats and he decides to choose Simon Peter's. This is the day when he's coming after Simon Peter. And you see, in Simon's life, he was... He's seen what Jesus has done and he's been mending his nets while Jesus has been teaching. But this is the day when Simon Peter moves from being an observer to being committed into what Jesus wants him to do. This is the day that Peter gets a greater revelation and insight into who Jesus is and who Jesus is to him and who he is because of how he understands Jesus. It's a key moment in Peter's life. And so Jesus is coming after Peter and it's a life-changing moment in his life. And you see, Jesus used to engage with people and draw people in. It's a little bit like uh, teachers at school. I remember once when, I, um, when one of my teachers threw out a question, why, why are the pole caps m- melting? Why, why, why are the pole, the, the pole caps melting? And, and I, everyone's head went down and, uh, and my head also went down. That's a sign that no one wants to really engage with the question. And the teacher's trying to pull us out and they said, Master Winter. That's, that's how they used to say things in my, my school. Uh, Master Winter, and I'm like, oh, the panic starts, you know, you know, it's like, you know, what was the question, you know, is anything important or intelligible going to come out of my mouth in this situation? But he draw, the teacher has the ability to draw things out of you and engage you with the process of learning. And this is what Jesus is doing. He chooses Simon Peter's boat, and he's going to engage with Simon Peter But look at the context a bit closer. 
Because here's Simon Peter. He's mending his necks. He's closing in his shift from fishing. He's closing it down. And, 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 the, and the text says that there's this huge big crowd that starts to grow as Jesus is teaching and speaking. These crowds get bigger. And so Jesus turns around to Peter and he says, can you, can you put me in your boat and can you push me out just offshore so that the people on the shore can see me and that my voice can echo out so that people can hear what's going on. And so I, I, just, I just want you to see that. Peter pushes Jesus out. Sure, I can do that. I can do that. That's just a, a small thing. I, I, I can do that. That's not going to cost me too much. And he pushes him out. And he, as he's mending his nets, he's listening to the teaching of Jesus. Jesus comes back in. Notice Jesus doesn't turn around to Simon Peter and says, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. That was really helpful. Thank you very much. What does Jesus do? He says to Simon Peter, get your boat. All those nets that you've just been working hard cleaning, ready for your next shift, take that. And go out into the lake and throw your net because you're going to get fish. Now, I don't know what Simon Peter was thinking, but we get an inkling in terms of Simon Peter's response. He says, Master, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Can you, can you, can you feel the frustration there? And after all, Simon Peter knew the science of fishing in the Middle East. He knew that you don't fish in the day, you fish at night. In the day, it's too hot, it's too bright. The fish aren't stupid, they can see the nets coming. That's not the way fishermen did it. Who is this guy? I mean, he, he was a carpenter, but now he's turned rabbi, and he's telling me my job. And after all, I already know. I know that there's no fish out there because I've been doing it all night. But then there's this incredible statement. This beautiful statement that I want us to catch hold of. That's the title of my message this morning. Because Simon Peter turns around and he says, but because you say so. Because you say so. And I wonder what the processes were in the heart and mind of Simon Peter. He had been listening to the teaching. He saw the miracles a chapter before. I think he knew because he was aware of the woman at the well and that Jesus told her everything about her life. He was aware where he didn't, he'd never met Nathan, but he saw Nathan under the tree and knew about the condition of his heart. This was a man who was able to stand up in a boat and just say, peace be still. And even the storms and the, and, and the elements obeyed his word. And in this moment, Peter's struggling. And he steps out in faith. And he says, because you say so. Notice, it. I don't know if Peter had the faith to get fish. I don't know. But he had the faith to put in a person and his word. And that's what we do as Christians in our life. We put our faith in a person and his, that person is as good as his word. And we live our lives 
stepping into and stepping on to the word of God as we take steps of faith in our life. And I truly believe that there are people in this church that God has been speaking to in different areas of your life. And God is saying, and at the time it feels inconvenient, and at the time it feels discomforting, and at the time it's like that doesn't completely make sense. And then the challenge is, do I know better than God? Because sometimes God comes in those moments. And he comes in the place where it's inconvenient. And he says, go and do this. And it's our step of obedience that unlocks the destinies of our life. And I want you to notice three things uh, about about, uh, Peter's response. It was a response of faith and obedience. It was a response that opened up the miraculous. And it was a response, it was a response that had a gateway of harvest in his life. Because you say so, I just pray in all the things that we do as a church, in all the different processes and systems and changes that we're in with, I hope that we're always able to go back and hear the word of the Lord and be able to say, because you say so. I'm going to step out in faith. Mm. <laughs> when we were on the Isle of Wight, we, um, we, there's two theme parks on the Isle of Wight, and we got tickets for these theme parks. One of them is called Black Hang Chime, and it's got some crazy rides in this, uh, this park. And so Abigail and Daniel and I went one day to this park, and there's this, there's this uh, one, one kind of ride. It's called Extinction. Now, that kind of tells you everything, doesn't it? It's one of those crazy rides. It throws your bodies into places, and the G-force on your body is so incredible. It just shouldn't be. I mean, I'm getting too old for this now, you understand. It's just too much. And so we were looking at it, and Daniel was looking at it, and he saw what was happening to other people who were being thrown about on this ride, and he was like, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing that, my little Daniel. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And so I went into my little speech, because I'm always wanting to push my kids forward, and I said, look, and I've got this whole kind of uh, winter philosophy going on. I said, okay, uh, Daniel, what's the first three letters of our family name? Yes, Dad, it's Win. W-I-N. Yes, Dad, it's Win. They've heard it all before. Yes, we're winners. We're overcomers. Nothing daunts us. We don't quit. We're victorious in life. And why are we? Because of Yes, Dad, the fourth letter, it's a T, winter, it's a T. It looks like a cross. And when you have the cross at the center of your life, then you are a winner, you're victorious. Yes, Dad, yes, that sort of thing. And and when you take the cross out of your life, when you take the cross out of our name, what happens? You're a whiner. (laughs) Yes, Dad. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a whiner. Yes, yes, Dad. And and as we went through this process, all of a sudden, I I said, I think you can do this, Daniel. You can step out and you can do this because we're winters. And that's what we do. We step out. And so so Daniel turns around to you and says, okay, Dad, if I do it, you do it. (laughs) Now, how many people know if you're going to speak it, (laughs) you're going to have to live it, yeah? That's what a leader does, whether you're a father or whether you're a pastor. If you're going to say it, you're going to have to live it. You're going to have to walk it through. Uh, and, and he says, I'll do it if you do it, Dad. And so I queued up, 
and I was dreading it, and I got onto this thing, and Dan Daniel and Abigail were on it, and halfway through the ride, they're going, yeah, this is brilliant, and I'm like, <laughs> it was awful, it was absolutely terrible. And afterwards, I, I, they get off, and Daniel says, again, again, let me do it again. And, and I'm like, no way, I am not doing that <laughs> again. And later on, we have this picnic, and uh, we're talking, and I, I said, I was quite surprised that he did it. And I said to Daniel, I said, I says, Daniel, what actually got you to do it? I mean, what brought you to a place where you could, could say, yeah, I, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that? And he looked at me really a bit puzzled, and he says, but Dad... Because you said so. Because you said so. And I, my mind went flashing back to Luke 5 that I'd been reading on the beach the day before when Peter turns around to Jesus and says, because you said so. And as we look at that response, we see the nature of faith in Peter's life and everything that happens in our life comes forth from simply trusting. I don't place my confidence in, 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 in the systems and the processes or in my own intellect or ability to work through things because the fishing of science, what Jesus said, it didn't make any sense. But there are times when we say, but because you say so. And that was Peter's personal response. And and wonder, I wonder later on in, Jesus, in Peter's life, when he looked back and he was there at the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus had glorified himself and he was there and he witnessed that. I wonder when he was later on in, in, in the next year that came along and he was there and he was in that room with Jesus and the parents of that young little girl. And he said, Tala, Jesus says, Talakum, which means little girl, get up and... And this little girl was raised from the dead. I wonder in those moments, did Peter reflect back and say, I'm so glad that I said, because you said so. And he went out and threw out his net. It was a step of obedience. And, and, be, and when we want to see God move and God intervene in our lives, it takes that moment of faith. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. It doesn't take any faith to stay with the status quo. It takes no faith to say, well, I've just been doing it like this all of my life. It takes faith when you step out of the boat. It takes faith when you step out of that comfort zone and say, Lord, because you said so. And I truly believe that something happens in your life when you simply say yes to Jesus. Something changes in your heart. Something changes in your soul. There's, there's a tenderness that comes in. There's a sensitivity to his spirit when you simply say, okay, Jesus, I surrender all. It still doesn't make sense, but I'm going to step out because I believe you have spoken to me. I notice the second response. The first response of, uh, that I notice is that it was a response of faith and obedience. But the second one, it's a response that brings the miraculous. I want you to picture those nets. I want you to picture Jesus, fish, net, and those fish come. Notice he had been 
fishing all night and nothing. And now in this moment, a miracle takes place. Those fish cram into those nets. He has to, Peter has to call his partners over just to take hold of that harvest. A miracle takes place in his life. I was, I was um, Sarah and I have traveled around India and Sri Lanka at different times in our life. And I remember a moment where, uh, is it Colombo? Have I got it right this time? Colombo, Colombo the, uh, the, in, in Sri Lanka. And we were there, and we'd been warned about this before, but we were, we were there sitting on the train station uh, and, and everyone was just happy and we were just talking to people. And then all of a sudden the train came in. And I've never seen people move so quickly in all my life. I mean, this wasn't typical English culture where you all queue up and, and everyone eventually gets on. It was, boom, you know, everyone's getting elbows everywhere, live chickens being held as they get into this train. And, 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 and I, I remember the speed of this. I remember still sitting there with my, standing there with my rucksack going, what just happened? And we're not talking the whole of these of these, all this train was crammed on the inside, but we had, I couldn't see the roof. There's so many people sitting and standing on the roof with all their boxes, and then there's people hanging out on the side, and I'm like, how do I get into here? It was cram-packed. A lovely uh, big man saw me looking, looking kind of strange on the platform and smiled at me and says, come, come, come. And he grabbed me and pulled me into this carriage. And as he did so, there was room that was suddenly made that I didn't see before. And I get into this carriage. But I want you to sense the cramming of these fish into that net. A miracle takes place. When you step out in faith and you say, because you say so. When that's the attitude of your heart, then you make yourself miracle ready. You position yourself for an intervention of the Spirit of God in your family and in your life when you have that approach. And I want you to notice something else about the response of Peter. Not only did a miracle take place, but it was the gateway to harvest. Mm. What's amazing about this passage for me when you just go a bit deeper and you meditate on it a bit more, you recognize this, that the, the fish thing, even though that was an amazing miracle, that wasn't the main event of the passage. It wasn't. What was the critical thing about this passage was the call of Peter to discipleship, the engagement between Jesus and Peter and how that impacted his life and then the results afterwards. And Jesus, Jesus turns around to Peter because Peter says to Jesus, oh, he sees what's happened and he says, I'm so sinful, I'm so sinful. And yet the person who the angels at Christmas prophesied, he shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's the first step of yes, isn't it? That's the first step of faith, that he's my saviour, he's my Lord, he's going to forgive me for my sins. And every aspect of faith after that is a step saying, I trust you, Lord. And you're growing in a greater revelation of Jesus is, because you've got to understand, here's Peter, he was once an observer. Now he's been encountering Jesus. Now he's becoming a disciple. But there's going to be a time coming, maybe in a year's time, when he turns around and he responds again, to a question of Jesus when Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter's going to turn around and he's going to say, you are 
the Christ, the Son of the living God. His understanding of Jesus and his revelation of Jesus was growing and growing all the time he was walking with Jesus. And that's true of us all. It's true of us all. That as we step, continue to keep walking in faith in our relationship with Jesus, we start to understand who he is, what he's done, and the great impact that that has on our life. And it becomes an anchor and a center point, which, which starts to, we start to see things differently through a lens in our life. And that's what's happening with Peter. Peter says to him, I'm so sinful. And Jesus turns around to him and he says, you think that's great? You think the cramming of that fish? You think that's an amazing miracle? I'm telling you that you will be a fisher of people. Something's changing in Peter's life. You're going to be a fisher of people. And I wonder when Peter stood up much time later, And he preached the first sermon. Jesus has died, he is resurrected, and then the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. And Peter's the one that stands up and preaches the first message of the gospel. And how many? 3,000 people were saved that day. Talk about a net that's crammed. You think that miracle's great. I'm calling you out into something far more than just that. I want to do something in your life where there's a shift that's going to take place and you're going to see me differently and you're going to walk in a journey with me because of that step of faith. And I wonder, church, how many of us on an individual level who just back off from the prompting of God's Spirit in our life and we miss those chains of miracles that can take place, that move us into our destiny. Church, are we going to be a church corporately that slips back to what was? Or are we going to step out and say, we're going to go with the purpose of God, because you say so, Jesus. We're going to move on with what God has. And will we look back in three years' time, in four years' time, in eight years' time, and we look back and say, I'm so glad that we stepped out. Because I've seen my children saved and I've seen my grandchildren saved and they're now in ministry and we've planted churches and the glory of God has has touched people's lives and we've seen amazing things happen. And it takes one moment and it takes one day when we say, Jesus, because you said so. It was more than just the fish. It was more than just the miracle. Jesus was after something else. He was after Peter stepping in and walking with him. And it was his gateway to harvest. I'm going to ask Pastor Lawrence in a minute to come up. We're going to do communion in a moment. But in the soul of this church, I want to speak and I say in all that's happening, in the life of this church and in your life as an individual, there's these key moments When Jesus said, come, come, step out of your boat and walk on the water. And who was it that did it? The man that said, because you say so, I'll do it. Are we going to be walkers on water type of people? Or are we going to be people who stay in the boat? 
because I've noticed something that the decisions that I make spiritually in my relationship with Jesus affect my destiny. And it's always inconvenient. And I've had people in this church say to me, I'm too young here, no one will listen to me. I'm, just, I'm only 17, I'm only 18. I've had people at the age of 80 standing in my office saying, I'm too old Ian. No one will listen to me. Why, would they, why do they want an old fogey like me at the age of 80 standing up and talking to people and helping people and supporting people? And I've had people in between the ages of 30, 40 and 50 saying, I'm building my career in, I'm just too busy. Let it be for another moment and another time. And it's in the place of inconvenience when you're packing away your nets that Jesus says, come, let's see if we can do some miracles in your life. That first miracle where you see Jesus as Savior and Lord, that second miracle when you start to walk with him as disciples of Jesus. I want you to take this moment of communion. I want you to take the elements. I want you to take the bread and I want you to take the wine. And I want this to be a covenant moment, a special moment for you where you say, I've heard the word of the Lord. I'm going to trust you, Jesus, no matter what. I'm going to trust you with the pain of my family. I'm going to trust you with the challenges of my career. I'm going to trust you with all the frustrations of my life. I'm going to put you first place. And even though it seems crazy at this moment, I'm going to say, because you said so.